0: Well, this morning we have the privilege and opportunity to hear from one Mr. Neil DeRue, professor of philosophy here at Dort College. Uh, Most of you probably know him or are familiar with him. He actually comes from southern Ontario in Canada. He said near Niagara Falls. I don't know what that has to do with anything, but it's cool. Um, But yeah, he's going to bring the word to us this morning and talk about what it means to be distinctively Christian. So let's give him a warm welcome. Thanks, John. Um, yeah, I don't know what it has to do with anything either, but it matters. I made the mistake of not telling my students one semester, and they found out like two-thirds of the way through, and they were so You're Canadian? And you didn't tell us? And I was like, I didn't. Not, it's not a disease. I'm not contagious or something. <laughs> they were mad, so it's good. I, now I just get it out of the way out front. Um, oh, thank you for, for coming today, and uh, thank you for inviting me. Uh, Aaron, when Aaron gave me the invitation to come and, come and speak up here today. Um, I was a little nervous at first. The last time he invited me to come up on stage during chapel, he wrapped me in plastic and shaved my head. So I hope today goes a little bit better than that. Um, but yeah, so, so after he did that, after that was done, I guess I couldn't put all the blame on him. Um, first, he and I talked about it. First, I spent like a little while being like the campus cat, right? Everyone heard one of like, oh, can I touch your head and like pet it and stuff? And I was like, sure, you can pet it, I guess. Um <laughs> But then, after that, so then we went away for Christmas break, we came back, uh, and so then I spent, like, most of January and February not just getting updates from other people about how well my hair was growing back. Like, oh, it's really coming in. And I was like, yeah, I know, it's, it's what it does, it grows. Um, but, so not this, did I get updates on my hair, but I always got updates on Aaron's hair, too. So, and I always got, and it was always this, hey, so your hair's coming back, in. Not, not quite as fast as Aaron's, though, is it? I was like, yes, yes, thank you for pointing out that my hair is not coming back. I appreciate that reminder of my impending baldness. Um, But as people kept saying this time and time again, I couldn't help but start to think, like, Aaron's hair really is growing in, like, fast. Like, like, suspiciously fast. (laughs) Right? Now... Now, in, in this era of performance-enhancing drugs in sports, I, I'm, I'm not accusing Aaron of anything. I mean, I, I don't want to... But you have to ask the question, right? I mean... Someone asked me when they found out if I was going to do this, you know, Aaron really makes fun of your hair, like, a lot. Are you going to pay him back? And I was like, no, I'm totally above that. I lied. Um... So, no, but I mean... In terms of, right, we do have to ask the question, and and this is what Aaron did at the beginning of the semester, right? Sort of he asked a question of students and of alumni and of faculty, sort of what are the things we should be talking about? What are the things we should be learning about? What are the things we should be thinking about, right? And we reported back, and he spent the semester kind of walking through some of those and some of the things he said, these are the questions we want want to hear more about. Um, And so the question for today is, you know, how do I be distinctively Christian, right? What does it mean to live as a Christian in the world today? Uh, And this is, I mean, this is an important question. It's important personally for all of us as we sort of, you know, go about our daily lives and get jobs and work and sort of try to wrestle with how do I do this well? How do I do this in a way that honors God? But it's also important because I mean, I don't know about you, but like my Facebook feed has been full in the last week or two about people talking about the state of Indiana. This might be the only time in the history of the United States that people have been talking about the state of Indiana um, whose motto, for those of you who don't know, the motto of the state of Indiana, Crossroads of America, right? You might as well just say, Indiana, the state you drive through when you're trying to get to where you actually want to go. Um, Right? But everyone's been talking about Indiana because of what's going on there. And so my Facebook feed is full of people sort of talking about Christians and what Christians are doing there. Right? And on both sides of the camp. Right? So I have some, some people sort of sending me, like, look, I go to Facebook for, for cat videos and for pictures of... The kids of people I hardly really know anymore. So that's what I'm there for. I'm not there to sort of think about these things, but I get all these things coming in about, you know, Christians and what should Christians be doing? And is it right for Christians, right? Should Christians be standing up and making sure that there we are free to do what we need to do and free to follow what we think conscience demands and what we think scripture asks us to do? And and should we be free to do that? right, no matter what the world says, should we be free to say and act the way we think we have to say and act? Or, man, I got some coming in this side as well, or should Christians be those who say in a world that is so full of pain and brokenness and judgment, shouldn't Christians be the ones who are showing love and acceptance? Right? So you' sort of both sides of the debate, and on both sides you have Christians trying to figure out, what does it mean? How am I doing this? What does it mean to be a Christian in the world? How do I be in the world, but not of the world? But both of those viewpoints that are at work there that people are talking about, right, both of them, I mean, at their root, they, they share something really similar in common, and that is that for both of them, they seem to assume that our choices are something like, you know, either we act like the world, that is we do what other people do, and if we do that, we become assimilated into the world, and then we're not doing anymore what we're supposed to be doing, right? If you get assimilated into the world, if you act like the world, then suddenly you've fallen away from God and from living authentically Christian lives. So either you get, you get assimilated into the world, or you have to be different, from the world right those are our choices either you just you slip in you become one you get absorbed into the world or you have to stand out and you have to be different from the world right and so when we talk about in the world but not of the world when we talk about becoming distinctively christian it quickly becomes into being different distinct from the world right we are called to be distinct from the world but what if there's a third option Right? What if somewhere in between just being like the world and being totally different from the world, what if there's a third option in terms of being distinct for the world? Right? How can we be distinctively Christian for the world, not from the world? How can we be distinctively Christian as a service to, in service to the world and not just in service To ourselves, right? How can we do that? That's a good question. Um, So, I mean, to start answering that, to start answering this question of what it means to be distinctive, right? The easiest way to do that, and I say this as if this is easy, but the easiest way to do that is to say, okay, well, what does it mean to be Christian? And what what is Christianity all about? And if I can figure that out, then I just have to do that, and then I'm being distinctively Christian, right? Like, what is Christ- what, is, what is Canadianness all about? As near as I can tell, it's about red maple leaves, maple syrup, and Mounties. And as long as I'm drinking a gallon of maple syrup while riding on a horse wearing red clothes, I'm fine, right? And we'll go, oh, yeah, Christ- yeah Canadian, good, way to go. Right, so if we can figure out what is distinctively Christian, that, then we just do that, and we're good. And so, what is Christianity? All about. Right? It's a good question, right? What is Christianity really all about? And if you ask thirteen hundred people, fourteen hundred people on Dort's campus, you'll probably get something like twelve hundred different answers. Right? At least two two hundred of you will be like, "This is is this a test?" I should say worldview. Should I say worldview? I should say worldview. I'm going to say worldview. I think the answer is worldview. Um, but. But the rest of you, right, will give a bunch of different answers. You'll get a thousand different answers, and all of them are wrong. That was easy, wasn't it? Like, you were wondering which one I was going to choose, but they're all wrong. Um, and the reason, I mean, they're not all wrong. They're all wrong, but they're, 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 they're all kind of right. But they're all wrong. The reason I say they're all wrong is they're all wrong because the answer to the question, what is Christianity all about, can't be right because Christianity is not all about anything right the question is not what is Christianity all about the question is who is Christianity all about right it's not about a what it's about a who so Christianity is not all about what we do or what we say or what we think right Christianity is not all about a pathway or a journey or a destination or a walk with God or something like this. This is not what Christianity is all about. Christianity is about, I mean, yes, there is a certain path, there's a certain, there's a way, right? Christianity, when in its earliest years, Christianity was simply called the way, right? But the way is not a path, the way is a person, right? What is the way of Christianity Jesus is, right? I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus is the way, right? Christianity fundamentally is about a who. And so who is Christianity about? Well, obviously, I mean, first, like Jesus, right? Christ, Christianity, it's kind of there in the name. It's a bit of a giveaway. Um, Right? Christianity is first and foremost about God, right? Who is a living person, who is alive in the world today, right? God is not a concept. God is not an idea. God is not someone who lives somewhere far away, who a long, long time ago did a thing where he made a lot of stuff and then a little bit less long ago but still pretty long ago wrote down some things so we'd have clues on how to understand that stuff and now is kind of living somewhere up in space or beyond space or something, sort of waiting to come back when we've got this all figured out. God is alive and at work in the world today. And if you missed that fact, I don't think you got what Sunday morning was all about. That's the point of Easter Sunday is that he is risen, risen right? He is alive. He is at work. He is doing things in the world, right? That is first and foremost what Christianity is about. And secondarily, if first Christianity is about God, then the second person Christianity about is your neighbor, right? They ask God, so what's this thing really about? What's the greatest commandment? What must I do to be saved? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself, right? Part two is your neighbor, and part three, because every good reformed sermon has three parts. A person three is... Nobody. I just had to say three because there's always three. Um, no, right? What's missing from this, you may have noticed, right? But part three is not you. Christianity is not about you. It's not about me. It's not about us, right? Christianity is not about you, which means distinct, being distinctively Christian is not about what you do or what you should do or what you should say or how you should be because being distinctively Christian is not about you. Being distinctively Christian is about living in and living out of what God is doing, not what you are doing. God is the one with the plan of redemption, not us. I had a student come in to me yesterday and say, you know, people at Dort, we're always talking about how, like, we're going to redeem culture. Right, like we're always where does that come from? Like, I just, I haven't seen that in the Bible anywhere. I mean, it was a real question, right? What, can you show me, like, where in the Bible is that based on? Where are we getting this viewpoint? I sort of said, oh, that's we shouldn't be saying that. Right? Like, we don't redeem culture, we don't redeem anything. God redeems, God redeems culture, God does things. It's not about you. Now, there is something very comforting in the fact that Christianity is not about you and it's not about me and it's not about us, right? There is something very comforting in this because if God is the one with the plan of redemption and not us, it means we can't screw it up, It doesn't matter. I, I just want to tell you this, right? Like, you can't screw it up if you pick the wrong calling, if you take the wrong job, if you go to the wrong place, it doesn't matter. I mean, it matters, but it doesn't, right? Like, it doesn't matter. You're not going to screw it up. Even if you discern your calling and you know what God wants you to do and you say, ooh, God really has called me to do this thing, but I don't want to, so I'm going to go do this other thing, you still can't ruin the plan. Right? If you don't do it, someone else will. right? We see this in the book of Esther. Right. Esther, we know the story. Esther was, queen, was a, a, a young Jewish woman. She rose her way up to become queen of the whole empire of Persia. She happens to be queen while someone who's not very nice tries to make a plan to kill all of the Jews, and it's coming, and the plan is coming, and it's only a few months away. And finally, Mordecai, the person who raised Esther, says, Yeah, Esther, honey, you're going to have to do something about this. And Esther kind of says, yeah I, mean, <laughs> yeah, I don't know like I could die that's not fun um and so she's like you know pray for me I'll think about it and then Mordecai sends back this answer right? Mordecai told them to reply to Esther don't think that in the king's palace you will escape any more than all the other Jews for if you keep silent at such a time as this relief and deliverance will rise for the Jews from another quarter but you and your father's family will perish who knows Perhaps you have, had, you have come to royal position for such a time as this. And I think we tend to focus on the last part of that verse when we're thinking about calling, we're thinking about our place in the world, right? Perhaps we've been given this place. Perhaps I've been sent here. Perhaps I've been given this calling or given this job for such a time as this. Maybe something will come up and somehow God's plan will require me to be there, right? And so I need to sort of chase this down and pursue that so that I'm in the right place at the right time when God needs me. I have nothing wrong with that, but I think we also need to remember what happens earlier in the verse, right? We have to remember the part where it says, if you keep silent, relief and deliverance will come from somewhere else. God did all this work to put you in this position. But if you don't do it, he's still going to do what he's going to do. It's going to happen either way. Right? We have to remember that, and we should take comfort in that, right? The plan does not depend on us. Now, thankfully, hopefully, we have the privilege of God using us sometimes. Sometimes his plan comes through us. Sometimes we are the instruments through which God works. And that's amazing and that's wonderful and what a privilege that we can be in that position that God could use us, could use little old me or little old you for something as grand as helping in his cosmic plan of redemption. That is amazing and that is wonderful and we should never lose sight of what an awesome privilege it is to be included in the work that God is doing but we also should never lose sight of the fact that it is God who is doing the work. right? It is God who is doing the work. We are living in and hopefully living out of the work that God is doing, okay? And what is this? So what does this mean, right? what, what does this do for us? What does this mean for me now? Well, like if we look at The plan of what God is doing, such as we understand it from the Bible thus far. What do we see happening? Well, what we see is, right, God made human beings and he made an entire creation. And then God became a fully human being and he became part of creation right? God loves humanity. God loves creation. He loves it enough to make it. He loves it enough to join it. He loves it enough to become it, right? We can't lose sight of that fact, right? God became fully human. Will you? Will you be fully human? Will you embrace the fullness of what it is to be created a human being as an image bearer of God? Right? To truly appreciate God's plan and what God is doing for us, we have to become fully human ourselves. Okay? We can't buy the lie that Satan is always trying to tell us, which is that you, know, you can be fully human. You can be who you are just by doing a little bit. What it is to be really human is mostly just to think the right things. Just think the right things and you're okay. Right? We can't buy the temptation that our identity can be caught up in part of what we are. And you will get this over and over again. You are what you do. You are your job. You are who you marry, you are the family you are a part of. You are the denomination you are a part of. You are the things you think. You are the things you believe. You are your walk with God and that is it. You are this, you are that and you are that and the truth of the matter is we have been made by God to relate to God and to creation in everything we do and if we aren't doing it in everything we are missing out on part of the picture. You can't say, I am just this. That is not you. You are fully human. You are called to be a full human being. And fully human beings do all kinds of different things. For those of you who are lucky enough to be students still right now, you are in a position now where you can learn how to be fully human Learn how to develop all these different parts of yourselves, right? But it's up to you to do so, right? We're in the midst of a registration. We're in the midst of advising. So, well, this is a good time to talk about this, right? Don't just take classes that will help you work well. Take classes that will help you live well. Okay? You will spend your life, whatever job you have, you will spend your life Looking at images of things and trying to make sense of what is being communicated to me through these things that I'm seeing. Whether those are the clothes people are wearing or images on one of the many screens we spend on average like 10 hours a day looking at. Right? We're always going to be looking at images. So take an aesthetics class. Take a visual design class. Take an art class. Figure out how to make sense of visual images. Figure out how to make some of your own. We're gonna eat, you're gonna eat in your life. Take the food class. Realize food doesn't, isn't made in the grocery store. Right? Food doesn't come pre-wrapped, you just have to unwrap it and eat it. I mean, you can do that for food, but you're missing out if that's all you ever do. Food is not just fuel. The dinner table is not a gas tank. Right? There is more going on in food. Take the food class. Right? Learn to appreciate well-made movies. Learn to appreciate God's creation. Learn about the nature that's out there and how to enjoy it. Learn about culture. Learn about sports. Learn about science and what is happening in the world around you because this is part of who you are. This is part of what it is to be a human being. This is part of what it is to follow God authentically right? Worshiping well, we are created as a certain kind of thing. Worshiping well requires us to worship well in all parts of our life, right? If the purpose of God, of the gospel is the redemption and the restoration of all things. If that is what it is about, if the work that God is doing in the world is about revitalizing some good thing that he has made and that he wants to recover and that he wants to save, then we have to remember that to be Christians, first and foremost, we are creatures. Even before we are Christians, we are creatures and we are human beings. That is what we are made to be. That is what we are made as. Right? All, in all of the breadth of what that means for us and all of what that means for human living. Right, Christianity is not about separating ourselves off from other th- other people and other things. Right? those of you who went to Christina Cleveland on Monday, those of you who didn't, I just I feel bad for you. Um, you missed it, and it was fantastic. Right, those of you who did know what I'm talking about, and I think she was right on. Right, I mean, it's not about us saying this is us and you're over there, and we have to be different. And by being different, suddenly I'm going to have to say, well, I'm suddenly I'm different than you. Now maybe I'm a little better than you. Now maybe I'm a little more human than you. And now next thing you know, we've got Christians who are the real people, who are like a real, we're, we're, we're what this is really about. And then you've got non-Christians who, I mean, I guess they're here too, but. Mm. Right? I was talking to my Core 200 class yesterday. And I asked them, do Christians think we're better than non-Christians? And they were just like, yep, we do. Right, But they're creatures, too. They are made in the image of God, too. And God's plan is for redemption and restoration of all of us. Right, God's plan is to restore the entire creation. That is what his plan is about. And sometimes God uses people who aren't the people of God to accomplish his purposes. The Bible is full of examples. Cyrus, Darius, etc. People God uses other Christians. So if we are being faithful and doing what God calls us to do, sometimes we may see other people who are doing that too. That doesn't have to mean, oh no, we're not different. I must be falling away. Maybe sometimes it can just mean, thank God, God's plan of redemption is at work. Even where I'm not and even where Christians might be afraid to go. That we won't go there doesn't mean God won't go there. And thank God for that. All right, will you join me in prayer? God and Father in heaven, we thank you today for Christmas morning and for you becoming fully human, and we thank you for Easter morning and the restoration and the renewal that you promise in that event. We thank you for Pentecost and you coming into the world in a unique way there, and we thank you for all the things that you do and that you are continuing to do in the world today. Thank you for your plan of redemption. Thank you for restoration. We ask that you please, if you see fit, use those of us here today. Use us to help in whatever way we can, in whatever way you need us to do. But help us always to remember that this is always about you and not about us. Amen. Thank you. Go in peace.